Where in hell can you go? Far from the things that you know Far from the sprawl of concrete That keeps crawling its way Keep your heart off your sleeve Guppy Productions present From Colchester to Sulawesi Written for Colm Radio by Phil Boast and Paula Larcher. Episode 21. A Place of Magic. It's Alison's birthday, and to mark the day, we decide to take a dive boat to Banker Island, which together with Ganga forms a brace of islands about a two-hour boat ride away. The islands are outside the marine park, and aside from some traditional villages, are not much developed. We set off quite early in the morning, and at the end of the hotel jetty, several of the dive guides have assembled for the day's work, and we tell them that it's Alison's special day. Just then, she gets a telephone call from her son, Tim, who's in the pub in Croydon with some of his mates, it being the late evening in England. Amazingly, Alison is treated to a hearty rendition of Happy Birthday to You, sung in perfect synchronisation from a few feet away by a group of young Indonesian men and from the other side of the world by a bunch of presumably quite drunk English lads, which is a whole different way of doing it. The boat departs, and just outside the harbour we pass by the lodge, which I have to say looks magnificent, with the mangroves to the fore and against the backdrop of the forest. The rest of the village is invisible from the sea and the dive guides that have come with us point out Mr Phil's house, as they always do when they pass it. I suppose it's no surprise, really. Nobody else has done anything like this around here and Mr Phil's house has some infamy. The boat trip is lovely, with the beautiful islands on one side and the equally beautiful mainland coast on the other. And we spend a very pleasant day on the deserted beach, swimming and snorkelling in the clear blue waters. Phil goes diving off the reef, we eat a picnic lunch and return in the late afternoon. And this will be a birthday which Alison will certainly remember. We'll all be going back to England in a few days, but Alison in particular has quite fallen in love with Bohowo, the people and the place itself. And she'll be back, we're sure. In the evening we sit under the mango tree where we spend a lot of our evenings listening to tales of the village and on this evening Newman regales us with the story of a particular football match in which he and three of his brothers Prama, Raymond and Tom were playing. They were playing against a team from Siladen Island who had brought two boats over for the day and were about 30 in number. Throughout the game, Prama, who was in goal, came in for a certain amount of abuse from the opposition, although his goalkeeping must have been okay because Bahowa won the game 1-0. Anyway, after the game, the boy's father decided that the Saladin team had been out of order and told his four sons to sort them out. Raymond shouted some provocative words and a fist fight ensued, in which the four brothers were hugely outnumbered but they can all fight, and during the fracas, Prama knocked someone out. The fight was stopped, and the unconscious man was taken to hospital, where there was some speculation that he might actually not regain consciousness. A meeting of the six brothers was rapidly convened by the father, who had to decide which of his sons would take the rap if the guy died. 
Augustus is Kaka, the oldest brother, who's a teacher with a family, and he's a gentle soul anyway, so he's out of the frame. Next is Prama, who's a notorious gangster in the Monado Docklands, but he also has family. Then comes Samuel, who is a simple soul with no job or family, and Raymond is next, who drives one of the hundreds of blue minibuses which ferry the townspeople to, from and around Monado City, and is married with a daughter. Then there's Nyoman, who by now has Melda and Einstein, and Tom is the youngest. Tom is a policeman, who is also married. So, Papa deems that since he has no familial or other responsibilities, Samuel will have to take the rap for this one, and probably go to prison for a long time, despite the fact that he wasn't actually there on the day and had nothing to do with it. It's a fair cop, and if the police get involved, they won't trouble with such minor details as getting the right person, as long as someone confesses. In the event, this Aladdin man did wake up, and a week later was released from hospital, having made a full recovery. So Samwell's noble and self-sacrificial gesture was not needed. Not that he had much say in the matter. Subsequently, the people from Saladin came to see Papa and apologised for their provocative behaviour. He is, after all, a healer and white witch doctor, who has treated many people from Saladin in the past. And they wish him to continue his good work, so all part in friendship and the matter is consigned to history. I am left to wonder how such mild-natured and good-tempered people seem to resort to physical violence on such a regular basis. But boys will be boys, I suppose, and football is football wherever one is in the world. What the Saladin people did not know is that prior to the fight, Papa had put a protection spell on his sons so that they could not be hurt which in a fight situation could definitely give you the edge.
I don't very much like snakes. I'm okay with spiders and crawling things, but snakes I can live without. And there are a lot of snakes around here. We're surrounded by forests and plantations, and quite often the farmers find huge pythons curled up amongst the banana trees or in the rice paddies, which they kill and take to the markets in Tomaholm. The largest snake ever officially recorded was found here at just under 10 metres long. We don't eat snake on the coast, but the Highland people eat everything that moves and slithers upon the earth. And they definitely eat snakes, which apparently taste like chicken. We sometimes get cobras in the village, in which case the shout goes up and the village people will take care of that. And we've seen tree snakes in the lodge grounds, which are small and harmless. But they're still snakes. Phil tells me not to worry about them and assures me that there are far more biting and stinging things underwater than there are on land. He quite often sees sharks, for example. But these are reef sharks, which are sometimes inquisitive but harmless. And banded sea snakes, which are common here, are about the most venomous snakes in the world. But they don't bite people, so he says. He once had one which got entangled with his dive gear and spent some of the dive with him. But he believes what it says in the books and was not concerned. He then lists other perils of the deep like stonefish, scorpionfish and lionfish, all of which can give a nasty sting. But it's the corals that he really has to watch. He doesn't dive in a full wetsuit. The water is warm enough not to warrant one. So it's a shorty with no arm or leg coverings. Or sometimes just swimming trunks and a t-shirt if he forgets his wetsuit. And he has, on more than one occasion, brushed against beautiful fan corals, which look lovely waving around in the currents, but they pack a nasty punch, and coral burns can take weeks to heal, as Phil will testify. He lives his life underwater much as he does on dry land. He forgets things and gets away with it. He's been known to jump in without weights and find a small rock to carry around with him instead to keep him underwater. His philosophy being that as long as he has a mask and fins and something to breathe, everything else will take care of itself. And so far, he's always made it back to the surface. So I'm not worried, really. And I'm learning to live with the snakes. I put a spell on you there aren't many witch doctors around, and magic spells, be they good or bad, are the preserve of the few. Mahawu Volcano in the Highlands is known to be a particularly spiritual place, and thus a good place to practice the subtle and mysterious art of magic. We have been told of a recent case where 11 young men went there for this very purpose, one of whom volunteered to have a protection spell put upon him. This done, the other ten stabbed him with machetes and killed him. This left the ten with the embarrassing problem of having a dead body on their hands, and in this case the police were informed, and the ten were taken in for questioning, which must have been some interesting questions. This was also the most people that the police had ever held pending potential murder charges, but as it transpired, nobody was charged with anything, and all were released, since in the end, the police concluded that nobody actually meant to kill anyone. And nobody could be certain who dealt the lethal blow. 
Perhaps they used the wrong incantation, or perhaps the magic just wasn't strong enough. But anyway, a lesson had been learned. Best not mess with the magic unless you're sure you know what you're doing, and never be the one to volunteer. Stay beside me, don't go Don't you go Find out what further adventures are in store for Phil and Paula as they travel from Colchester to Sulawesi in the next episode of Bill's Big Bag of Onions. Bill's Big Bag of Onions is a guppy production for Cone Radio and is committed to a varied, equitable and truly inclusive output that properly reflects the ethnic diversity of our community audience.